Hey guys, it's Charles with the Barbershop Group Podcast. I'm glad to be able to uh, get this recording in, even though uh, I've been traveling. Um, you know, last week you guys had the opportunity to hear Dr. Allison Mark talking about um, some of the loneliness that we experience as new fathers or as uh, fathers with multiple children and just how guys drop out of each other's lives, right? So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go ahead and go back um, one week and check out Dr. Allison Mark, who is a great um, psychotherapist out of Miami, Florida. She's based in Miami, uh, Florida, but she also does some teletherapy, some web therapy um, in New York State as well. So if you are in Florida or New York, you definitely want to check her out. Um, in addition to that, before I begin, I tell everybody, subscribe to the podcast and support the podcast, okay? If you're listening to the podcast in your iPhone or your Android, um, or if you happen to be um, on the website, they, we've got support the podcast links everywhere on the app, on the website where you can go, um, you know, uh, subscribe. And it's only, it's 99 cent, it's 4.99, it's 9.99. Uh, for those of you who have businesses out there, uh, we have a special package for you through our Patreon website. Uh, and on our Patreon website, you're able to see video content, uh, but you can also see um, uh, more in-depth stuff there. And uh, what's great about Patreon is that if you are a small business owner um, or you're promoting a book or something like that, then we have a package for you uh, to be able to sponsor a show and promote your, your artwork, your book, your upcoming event and things like that. And those packages start at $7.99. So if you're looking to have a voiceover done and put it on our podcast, you've got new music that uh, is in line with the barbershop group organization and would like to have that featured on the podcast you can do that through our patreon um, account if you if you uh, like i said have an event coming up you can do it all through our patreon account so you can donate in two ways you can donate right in your phone you can subscribe right in your phone uh, by hitting support the podcast, or you can go to www.patreon.com backslash the barbershop group. Uh, if you're interested in sponsoring a show, uh, promoting your product on the show and stuff like that, then you can get in touch with us that way as well. So those are a few actionable things that I like to put out there right in the beginning. Okay. So that you guys don't forget. So you know, as you heard me say, uh, I've been traveling for uh, for a wedding and uh, for some other some other things a as well. Uh, if you follow me on uh, Instagram at the Mind Barber, you will see a few pictures here and there. You won't see a whole lot of pictures of me just because, hey, I'm not a selfie kind of guy. But uh, you know, a few pictures of me uh, spending some time at a Buddhist monastery and. And um, just kind of listening, man. It's a great experience, really. I've got to go back um, and do that. You know, but it's, it's funny. Uh, my son, one of my sons asked me uh, about relationships. 
and he was particularly interested in um, what caused relationship or what causes relationships to decline um, and what doesn't. He was uh, mentioning that, you know, he sees a lot of people have relationship problems and they're arguing over small things. And so we had a lengthy discussion about that. We probably talked about an hour, hour and a half, just about that. And I thought it was pretty cool that uh, my you know, 14 year old son was interested in what made relationships go and what made them stop. Very simple, it, either it's the wheels are turning or the wheels aren't turning. And in his uh, observation of things, um, a lot of times relationships ended because people were just arguing over small things. So I decided to look back at some of my notes. As you guys know, I talk to a lot of therapists around the country, do a lot of research, even in my own work uh, with, uh, with the chemically dependent population, those people who are struggling with all types of addiction eventually relationship issues come up in group therapy as we're working on something, right? Um, <clears throat> and um, I found some interesting things, probably about 12 or 13 things that tend to kind of keep coming up in relationships, especially uh, in heteronormative and heterosexual relationships. And so I want to talk to you guys about those things today, and you may find them interesting. In fact, I've even ranked them. So um, you know, this episode is called the fight club and uh, it's called the fight club for a reason. <laughs> All too often, it seems like relationships eventually enter into, um, that, that realm, the fight club. And, um, you know, you'll see a lot of, a lot of social scientists talk about it. A lot of couples therapists talk about it, but if you haven't gone to therapy, if you haven't been directly involved in the research and things, then you don't hear a whole lot about it. And so my hope is that we can kind of help spread this. And uh, I think also what we should do um, in the show notes is we should tag a few couples therapists for you guys to kind of follow, reach out to if you have some questions. Uh, if you're a therapist and you're listening to this, obviously, uh, a lot of the stuff you already know. But it just may be something that if you've got social media out there, you may want to delve into for your audience uh, even more. So, you know, um, there are a lot of things that pop up when it comes to the fight club and relationships. And one of the things that a lot of therapists have talked about, uh, two people butting heads about is, is personality, right? Um Sometimes a spouse or partner could be too talkative, too shy, too flirtatious. Um, they might, you know, they, they might not um, have that type of personality that you think is great for their success in this world. Uh, uh, they're just, just some kink or thing that drives you nuts about them, right? Um, you know, fights about spouses' personalities um, account for by 5%, about 5% of arguments um, that are reported by husbands, right? And then for women, about 8% of women report having fights over personality conflicts, okay? 
Um, and I, I, I mean, really, when you, you think about it, they're, they're, they're seriously talking about this person is an introvert, this person is an extrovert. I felt like they should have stood up for themselves or I felt like they should take a back seat uh, to me or, or just chill out for a little bit or shouldn't be so uh, involved in this or that thing. And, and this, this is how these, these arguments start. Um, you know, there's research out there that suggests personality isn't, um, what do you call it? It, it, it isn't like as important uh, of a factor for mate selection. You know, people don't tend to date, marry, or have children with people who they find insufferable. But uh, beyond, you know, beyond that, personality differences tend to, to show up in other conflicts without being the center of attention. So if you talk to one of your buddies, they're probably not going to cite a personality issue as a deal breaker for them, right? But it does happen. And that's on the low end. Again, I'm ranking them from least important uh, to most important. Now, here's something that I know guys have dealt with before, you know, and that's when one of our partners uh, doesn't like our friends, right? Or if you don't like their friends. You know, if you hate your spouse's friends, uh, they hate your friends, or you just hate what they do together, right? Uh, these power struggles are slightly heavier uh, for parents. You know, fights made up about like 7% of husband's marital complaint and about 8% of wives' marital complaints. Although these fights were not about money, um, you know, a lot of the findings that are out there and a lot of therapists report that, um, you know, these fights come about um, because, you know, this spouse doesn't like that I have this friend. And a lot of times, if it's a woman, a woman doesn't like the fact that a man has a female friend, right? It's less so that a man dislikes that, that his wife has a male friend, believe it or not. And I was shocked by that. But it's more about the women who were saying, hey, you know what? I, I don't think your boundaries are too tight with this person. And I don't want you to have close contact with them. Um, so that's something that does come up. But not only does it come up in terms of opposite gender, where a guy may have a female friend that his wife doesn't like, it also comes up when a guy has male friends that his wife doesn't like, right? Sometimes um, you may have a friend in your life who isn't quite mature, or maybe you've got a friend in your life who doesn't hold you accountable for things that you do when you're with him. And your partner knows that. And your partner's like, yo, I don't like the fact that you hang out with this guy. This guy is not good for you. So those type of things do come up as well um, in arguments again. And that's number 11 on the list. Now, we'll start to get a little, little tighter with this. It'll get a little more tense as we continue. The next thing on the list is a lot of couples fight about not having enough sex and about not uh, showing enough affection in their relationship, right? And you've heard me talk about this before. Um, we already know for a lot of guys, we want more sex in relationships. A lot of women want more intimacy. And uh, unfortunately, unless a lot of couples go through therapy or unless they 
do a lot of, you know, self-help work or if they've had sex addiction, porn addiction issues, if they're not involved in 12-step recovery programs and stuff like that, and are given the opportunity to learn about themselves, these arguments just kind of keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. One of the call-outs that I make to guys that I know who have struggled with sex addiction, porn addiction the way I have, right, is, is to think about your body aging. You know, and, and when you think about it, you say, well, if you're in your 40s, uh, are you the same way that you were physically at 16? You know, at 16, you were probably really a horn dog, right? Um, is it the same way for you now exactly? Um, and you'll notice as you get in touch with yourself that these types of needs and wants change over time, even slightly so, but you can recognize them. And I ask people to think about the future, right? Think about as you're sick and you're ailing with some type of illness. Now, the sex takes a backseat, right? And if you don't believe me, go and talk to some people who are dying in the hospital, okay? So you have to learn what physical intimacy is, what the level of it is, and what other types of intimacy are, and what the levels of them are, and really sit down and talk to your partner about that. But intimacy arguments come up a lot. Um, and it's, you know, and you don't have to talk to a couple's therapist to figure that out. I mean, if you just sit back and uh, dare to have this conversation with your partner one day, you'll, you guys will probably have some tense discussions about intimacy. Now, arguments about intimacy made up about 8% um, of total conflict for husbands and, again, 8% for the conflict with wives. It seems like women are stuck on that 8% in all this research, right? Um, but, you know, partners who are not overly impulsive uh, can show these topics, um, and, and that's a good thing to show them for a while. It's not a good thing to do that for, for long term, but it, it kind of helps the fire cool down, right? And then you're able to revisit it later. Again, I always say if you're having intimacy problems like that, go see a couple's therapist. It's just, you got to do it, Okay. Um, especially if you really, really want to be with a person uh, that's sitting across from you. Um, in cases where one person does not want to have sex uh, at all or cannot have sex but refuses to seek professional help, now that conflict uh, about intimacy is almost impossible to resolve. Again, you got a person who they cannot have sex or they don't want to have sex. Well, this it's nothing you can do and you can't say to your partner, well, you just shouldn't want sex either. Yeah, that's not how that works. And we know that there are people out there who think that way. Okay. Uh, but barring any larger underlying issues, couples tend to, tend to uh, they, they tend to come out on the other side of, of these conflicts for better. Again, especially odds increase if you're willing to get help. And if you talk to um, couples therapists out there like the great, you know, Keandra Jackson, who is out of California, um, she'll tell you, unfortunately, all too often, couples come to therapy way too late, six, seven, eight years behind when they recognize that they needed to talk to somebody. Imagine somebody dealing with sexual intimacy, physical intimacy problems for seven or eight years or minimally six years, and then saying, oh, we need some help. It's hard to get things back on track. But again, that's only number 10. 
Number nine is commitment. Uh, commitment and intimacy work similarly in that, you know, fights about trust or fidelity, um, those things are, are meaningful, but they happen less frequently than conflicts about work, about money, and about kids. Isn't that something? Like, think about that. So, so if you were paying attention to the internet, again, you guys always hear me talk about squares and rectangles, uh, your smartphone, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook and everything else out there, the internet will have you believe that commitment is the most important thing in relationships, and that's the thing that makes or breaks them. But as a lot of the research uh, suggests out there, and commitment is important, but it's not as important as work, money, and kids. How about that? Husbands only argued about commitment, again, 8% of the time, and, and wives, 9%. So stats on how many couples who stay together after infidelity are difficult to come by because, well, cheaters rarely ever admit cheating. But not only do cheaters rarely ever admit cheating, right? Sometimes those who've been cheated on, they have a level of shame that they're still struggling with too. And a lot of couples feel like, hey, if we experience infidelity, whether I did it or you did it, we experienced it as a couple, we don't necessarily want to tell everybody about that, right? There are a lot of people out there who have those ideas as well. So it's difficult to get really clear stats on, on something like that. But again, if you talk to a couple therapists, you will find out that for a lot of people, um, you know, commitment isn't necessarily the thing that breaks a relationship. It's, it is something, however, that people will argue about, but it's, on the high end, again, it's number nine. So here's one that a lot of people like to have fun with. Number eight on the list, something that couples argue about. Relatives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As soon as you've heard that, you probably shook your head like, yeah, I'm in that boat. A lot of people are in that boat. Okay. Fighting about relatives is a lot like fighting about friends. Okay, but more intense because family is an extension of ourselves, right? So we feel the need to defend our family members a lot of times, even though we kind of like we may know internally, right? Really, that's that what what my spouse or what my partner, whoever is saying about about them is really right, but I, it's hard for me to accept because that's family. Um, you know, people who are part of family, right? And you hear somebody say something about them. It's very difficult for you to cut that person off because they're part of your family. And in fact, there are individuals out there who have religious perspectives that say, no, it's sinful to cut a family member off, right? And so you end up dealing with somebody in your family who may not actually be healthy for you in your marriage because you're like, I'm trying to please God. I don't want to cut them off, but yeah, they're getting in the way of my healthy relationship. Probably need to talk to a therapist and your religious leader about that. Anyway, discussions about extended family account for 10% of the fights that couples experience. Uh, 10% is the average number. Um, you know, the stats out there say that husbands talk about disliking family members and arguing over it about 10% of the time. 
wives talk about it about 11% of the time. So uh, whether it's an overbearing mother-in-law, a racist grandparent, ooh, I imagine it's probably a few of those out there, huh? Um, or an unemployed brother who has overstayed his welcome, a bruh man on the fifth floor or something like that. These fights include a third party contributing to the conflict. Um, you know, it's all types of family con conflicts that can exist. You might see um, a situation where your spouse's family just always disrespects her and you're tired of seeing your wife get disrespected like that and you're trying to convince her to do something different and it can just be extremely annoying for you to sit back and watch it right all types of scenarios uh pop up you may have an issue with an in-law because of how that in-law treats their kids right you know, you may not want to go over an in-law's house because you can't stand the way that uh, your sister-in-law yells at her kids and things like that. And you're trying to talk to your to your your wife about this, and she's defending it, or she's really, you know, complacent about it, doesn't know how to approach the situation, or makes excuses for it. Right? It's like, mm, well, I mean, yeah, fights over relatives happen a lot. Okay, and that was number eight. Number seven, and this one is really, really interesting because, you know, we're human, right? Everybody's got their idiosyncrasies, these weird things that we do, right? These things that make us tick, these kind of like just these patterns that we fall into are patterns that we've developed that we think are good for ourselves. Let's just call them habits, okay? Number seven is habits. Uh, some of these habits are done on purpose. Some of these habits just happen as a result of our bodies, right? Um, you know, <laughs> funny thing is, uh, yeah, I have an issue with uh, my throat always itching on the inside. And because it's on the inside, I don't have a way to scratch it, right? If, and if you're watching the video, you saw me do it. But I, I do this little clicking thing with my throat. And I remember being involved with somebody who couldn't stand the fact that they would look over and see me, you know, doing this clicking thing, trying to scratch the inside of my throat. Well, I don't know what else to do. It's just a habit because of something that's going on genetically. It's just part of me. <laughs> so habits are something that couples argue about. It's surprising that chewing loudly, um, a lack of punctuality, or looking at your phone too much would outweigh cheating on your spouse in terms of conflict, but they do, right? I mean, I know people who, when they get home from work, their spouse asks them to put their phone away or their spouse just takes their phone and they don't get it back until they leave home, right? Or they have certain times where they can check their phone and other times where they can't check their phone. Yeah, see, um, I know individuals who are always late for things and this has presented problems uh, or frustrations in their relationships right and these things actually outweigh cheating on spouses now guys listen I am not telling you to go out and cheat on your partner or your spouse and come back and say hey well you know what it's okay we can get through that because it's not on the high end no that's not what I'm suggesting I'm just ranking these things for you all and uh, you can kind of Take a look at them for yourselves. But uh, yeah, 
Uh, you know, it, I, I guess somebody could be late so much that it might create more of a problem than than cheating. Man, if you're if you're always that late that it creates more of a problem than cheating, bro, you need like you need some help. You need a life coach. You need somebody who can help you create a schedule for yourself because that's bad. Okay. Um, number six. Number six is money. You you guys know that money is going to come up. It's number six on the list, and that's what couples fight about, and it's ranked right there. Although money was a source of conflict uh, that that prompted one of these studies, right? Money landed right in the middle, and I was shocked by that because uh, I I didn't think that um, you know money would be in the middle like that. I assumed that when, when you hear couples say that they're getting a divorce and they have irreconcilable differences and you start looking at different things, if you got access to their divorce proceedings or whatnot, money always comes up, right? And so you just make the assumption that, okay, money, that's an issue, money, that's an issue. In this day and age, you have so many women who are making more money than men, you would think, oh, you know what, this is an issue. She makes more than me. We're fighting over this. We have these houses together and these cars and blah, 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 and this debt. We're fighting over money, right? But it's only number six. How about that? So why is it only number six, okay? Uh, husband said about 18% of their arguments happen over, over money, uh, particularly about spending, uh, salaries, bills and other other like money matters and women said that it was about 19 percent so if you notice wow there's something interesting about these percentages they're almost always neck and neck so far anyway there's nobody who's way up here or way down there when it comes to reporting these things and i think i think that's interesting because one of the things we tend to do again if we pay attention to the internet we think that it's men who have a particular problem or we think that it's women who have a particular problem but then when you start getting into the heavy research and talking to couples therapists you find out it's both yeah stop the gender bullshit it's both of you guys out there fucking up and you know it okay so don't even don't don't do that stop rationalizing the stuff and trying to make it seem like it's one gender who always screws up when it's not so money is number six uh, one of the things that I found interesting for men, especially money is tied to power. And we kind of know that, right? Um, it can make conflicts really, really heated because it's about power. It's about your ego. Um, and the traditionally masculine thing to be the breadwinner, to make more than a woman does. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it's a heated thing. Uh, but it's not technically the topic couples argue about the most. It's more of a supporting actor, if you will, in so many marital conflicts like work, leisure, friends, but it's not the star, okay? Um, you know, differences about money are universal. All couples need to make decisions about spending and saving, and there's plenty of potential for two people to bring earlier experiences, different expectations, and different behaviors related to money. If you grew up in a family where one person controlled the purse strings and it was great, you probably want to do that same thing. If you grew up in a family where people work together, uh, but you marry somebody who 
the folks didn't work together, that's probably going to present an issue to you. Uh, younger people today are reporting that they feel more comfortable having separate bank accounts, where older people uh, reported not feeling so comfortable having separate bank accounts. Something like infidelity might impact uh, trust issues when it comes to having separate bank accounts. If you've been unfaithful in the past, um, somebody may not be willing to um, to um, to you know have separate bank accounts because they're like, well, what are you doing with that money on the side? And in some cases, the flip is if you've been unfaithful in the past, somebody may say, well, you need your own bank account because you're not touching my money. He or she, your little side piece is not getting any of my money, <laughs> right? And so they, they're like, nah, bro. And when you fall on your face and you're broke, that's what you did, okay? Um, so yeah, those are, are some things about money. And uh, the next one out there, and this is number five, right? Work and money are nearly tied uh, together in terms of conflict frequency because they're so closely related, right? Arguments uh, related to their spouse's job accounted for 19% of arguments by husbands and 18% uh, by women, uh, by wives. Now, finally, you have men kind of edging above women a little bit here. And yeah, I'm not surprised by that, right? Uh, that a man would be arguing a little bit more about work than a woman would, okay? Friction about professional commitments like traveling for work or spending long hours with people of the opposite sex are also tied uh, to conflicts about commitment, trust, and boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yep, been there, done that, totally ripped up my relationship. You know, uh, some concerns are not always in their spouse's heads. You know, there's some evidence that people are more likely to, to cheat on their spouses with coworkers, right? Now you think about that, a lot of people spend 40, 45, 50, 60 or more hours uh, per week at work and could be talking to people at work a lot more than they talk to their spouses. They see those people, they see those people more than they see their wives. And if that's you out there guys, right? If, if, you're, if you're like that, I really encourage you to kind of rethink the way you're living your life uh, and just, just ask yourself, did I marry somebody or did I work this job to replace my spouse? You know, cause a lot of Americans are in that boat and it's extremely unhealthy and I, you can't change it overnight because you got bills to pay. Right. But I think that, you know, if you got children or if you're young enough to be able to make a career change, you know, you may want to start thinking about, man, what can I do so that I have a healthier relationship at home? Right. Because a lot of these folks, have grown up with this idea that work is the marriage and the actual person that you have at home, that's the side piece. It should be the other way around. Work is supposed to be the side piece. Your spouse is your spouse, okay? Um, again, that was number five on the list. Um, and, you know, traveling a lot creates a problem when you're away. Uh, especially if you're in different time zones and things like that, you don't get a chance to talk to your spouse a lot. You don't get a chance to say goodnight to the kids. All these little things start to creep in. Uh, when you're traveling for work, you've got work dinners because you know that's just a thing, 
right? And nobody wants to be the person that doesn't go to the work-related event uh, and not be in the in crowd because how are they going to look at you then? But boundaries are always an issue at these functions. They just are, okay? Uh, again, since most people have to work at least five days, 40 hours a week, these issues come up a lot. Um, and as much as certain jobs predict infidelity, um, you know, you, th there are things that you can do to kind of uh, address it. Uh, but there, there are a couple jobs that rank pretty high on the level of infidelity. Uh, working in finance is one. Um, management is another. Hospitality, obviously, is another one. Uh, even social work. Wow. And social work includes psychotherapy, social scientists, uh, uh, mental health specialists, chemical dependency counselors, all of that. And I won't get into why that's the case right now. Maybe I'll invite some actual therapists to talk about that if they're so willing, but I'll move on. Just know that work um, is something that couples argue about, and it's number five on the list. Number four, leisure. And that's a big deal as we go forward in this Instagram world, right? Uh, where everybody wants to take a picture and uh, show that they've been to some location and stuff like that. Um, something as pleasant as leisure doesn't sound like it should be on the top when it comes to conflict. But these are fights about how free time is spent, all right? For parents of young children, uh, this leads to the question, what free time? <laughs> right um and, and and that's because well time is so scarce that conflicts become even more intense and more severe right one study found that the way couples spend free time with each other can have a much more uh significant impact on a relationship um you know than people realize quality time together is it's important right um it's important for your relationship, but it's also important um, for your individuality, right? It's important for your individuality. And this is something important for you guys now. Gotta tell you this, research has found that wives tended to go along with what their husbands wanted to do when it came to leisure a lot more than husbands went along with what women wanted to do for leisure. Hmm. Although fights about personality were not as heavily, um, you know, weighted by husbands and wives overall, it seems like personality differences impact arguments about leisure. And it's partly because, again, you've got a person who's an introvert married to an extrovert. You've got somebody very outgoing and somebody that wants to sit home and read a book. You've got somebody that loves to talk to people loves to get out there, they're a social butterfly, and another individual who's just like, you know what, they're really skeptical about everybody and that's just not the life they live. Um, these things create problems. Even when you talk about traveling to other countries and destinations, one individual wants to go somewhere, hey, I wanna go to Disney World, right? The other person is like, um, I wanna go on a retreat in Alaska probably not going to work out like that, right? I'm not saying that the relationship won't work out, but it's just, it's very different. And that was number four on the list. Couples argue a lot about leisure activities. Communication, and I can't stress that enough. Communication, 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 okay? 
um, having different styles of communicating, not listening, not being heard are all frequent and significant sources of conflict. Um, you know, part of the reason why communication compromised 21% of conflicts for husband and 21% for women is that men and women were socialized to communicate in very different ways. And we know this, we talk about this a lot on the podcast. Women tend to be more verbal uh, and when it comes to expressing emotions and we men shut down. Okay. So, you know, we do a lot of stonewalling as guys. Uh, other research, and this came from the Gottman Institute. If you're not familiar with the Gottman Institute, uh, definitely get familiar with the Gottman Institute. If you're looking up couples therapists, I encourage you to look up a therapist that's Gottman Institute certified because they're the best. Yes, I just endorsed the Gottman Institute. Um, but they just have a lot of stuff out there uh, that really helps couples get on. Uh, some of the research from the Gottman Institute ranks stonewalling against one of the four communication issues that can lead to divorce. It includes contempt, defensiveness, uh, criticism of your partner, and um, well, yeah, I'll leave it there. It's four of them, but that's, that's good enough for now. On top of that, couples fight about communication because communication is tied to everything else that we do on the list. If you're fighting about money, you got to know how to talk about it. If you're fighting about leisure, you got to know how to talk about it. You got to know how to express it. If you're talking about intimacy, you got to know how to express those thoughts and feelings about intimacy, right? If you can't do those things, you can't communicate well enough. Well, the other topic that you are wanting to talk about just goes away. How many of you guys have had a conversation with your partner and you've been wanting to address an issue, but something was said in the wrong way or something was heard in the wrong way, something was conveyed in a way that really probably wasn't the best and now you forgot what you were arguing about and now you just argue and now you're talking about how disrespectful you two are being to each other right yep communication all right that's number three and here is a biggie guys and this is for a lot of the men out there chores chores come up as number two in couples arguments mm-hmm look let me just tell you men a lot of us, we don't do enough chores at home. This is not 1950. You are not, um, you know, Wally Cleaver. You are not father's noble's best. Uh, coming home with your attache case, your briefcase, sitting down on the couch and reading the paper while she cooks your dinner and, you know, gets the kids bathed and uh, you give her the rundown of your day at the office and stuff like that. Yeah, that stuff phased out, man, long ago. Life is too hard for that. And unfortunately, we have a situation where uh, a lot of people, men and women, are working today and they have children. And, you know, women are still doing more. Um, women are still doing more uh, than, their, than their men at home. Okay. Now, several reasons could apply there you may not actually want to be Wally Cleaver. And I'm not accusing all of you guys of wanting to be that. I think sometimes it's just about not knowing, not knowing how to do something, right? Not being good at something, not being great at doing the laundry. Or maybe you hate folding clothes, okay? Um, maybe you aren't good at, at uh, washing the dishes or you just dislike it, right? Buy a dishwasher. 
load that bad boy, turn it on, right? <laughs> Do that kind of stuff, man. Um, it's just these are things that that pop up in a relationship consistently, consistently. Um, you know, a lot of men reported feeling um, that their wives were harping on getting things done around the house, right? And they didn't like that. But a lot of women uh, reported that they felt like their husbands weren't doing enough around the house, that they were taking just this lackadaisical approach. And then the woman would go ahead and get things done because he was just sitting around waiting until the last minute or it wasn't as important to him. These are things that come up uh, in the arguments. And again, it's exacerbated if the couple has children. If the couple has children, um, a lot of times, you know, mom is working, she comes home, she's doing the stuff at home, and she falls into mom role at home. And uh, they're waiting for dad to pick up some of the slack. So, uh, there are some great couples therapists out there that work together on these issues um, <clears throat> that can help, you know, if, if that's something you're struggling with, they can kind of help guide you to, to, to retool your lives so that you can collaborate with each other more. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. And it's number two on the list. What do you think number one is on the list, guys? Ha <laughs> ha, children, you bet. That's the number one thing that couples argue about, all right? And everybody's probably shaking their head like, yeah, that's it. Children are by far the most frequent and significant, significant topic that couples um, fight about. Overall, 36% of arguments husband had, husbands had, and I think, yeah, 38% of uh, the arguments wives have had are about children they're related to the kids it's related to how the kids behave differences in parenting um what else a difference in, in, in parenting styles is what i mean uh, how to discipline them and other topics related to kids uh, maybe there are different religious perspectives and and who they should hang around who their friends should be what family members they can be around and all that kind of stuff um you know and here's something to keep in mind. Those arguments actually increase uh, uh, when the child has a disability, with a physical disability, uh, mental illness that they're struggling with, that they need extra support for. These increase the amount of arguments that couples have. Um, couples fight about raising children for the same reason parents talk trash about each other on the playground. There's no one right way to be a parent. Um, but a lot of people think that there is. And once you, if you go to a family therapist, you'll learn there is no right way. There is no one way to do it. And if that's what you think, you probably should not try to parent with somebody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That probably sounds pretty cold, but if, you don't want somebody else to bring their parenting skills into the fray, don't become a parent, okay? At least don't become a parent with somebody, okay? Go to the lab and have a child on your own, but don't try to include somebody else, okay? Um, and that's, that's a really big thing um, that gets in the way of fluid relationships. So those are some of the 
some of the things that just continuously pop up in all types of therapy, whether you're talking about couples therapy, uh, chemical addiction, uh, group settings, as, as guys are working through 12 steps and just all of these things tend to come out. Um, you know, I can tell you personally, I had a good friend uh, who, uh, I don't know if I've talked about on the podcast, a good friend named Matt who lost his battle with addiction um, several years ago, man. And um, wow, it's amazing that he and I were using the same drugs and um, yeah, that that's, I'll have to talk about that sometime. But anyway, um, Matt had an issue, man, um, with somebody in his life. And, uh, you know, he was always, he was always at wit's end when it came to the kids, man. I mean, it was just, it was a dark time in a dark place. And Matt wasn't alone. There are a lot of men like that. If you guys haven't heard the podcast talking about um, shaming dads, okay, um, there are a lot of women out there who have uh, become extremely critical of how men parent. And so we're not surprised that these are the arguments. This is number one on the list all the time. Um, go see a family therapist. Rethink who you're trying to have a family with. You know, if you don't have a family as of yet, uh, to really sit down and talk to this individual about what their expectations are for raising children. Here's a hint. You can only have so many expectations because life is going to happen. It's going to cause you to change those expectations. Okay. But, you know, it's a big deal. So guys, those are some of the things that couples argue about. If you fall into that category, get on psychology today, check some of the links that we have in the show notes, get in touch with somebody before it's too late. Uh, and when we talk about couples therapy, here's something to remember guys. Um, one of the mistakes that a lot of people make in couples therapy is they say, Oh honey, we need to go to therapy and it'll be kind of a passive aggressive suggestion because what somebody really wants is they want that other person to be fixed. And that's not how couples therapy work therapy works. Either you want to be work on things and you want to, you want to bring your best self to this thing and your tattered self to this thing, your whole self. Right. Um, and you hope that the other person does, but sometimes they don't. Uh, but it's not about changing the other person. Um, and so understand that. I mentioned uh, one day on my uh, social media account that uh, when we are when we are at war within, it's easy for us to be at war with someone else. A lot of times. Um, you know, uh, we don't look at what's going on within us. And so we just start that war out there. So it's also an opportunity to really take a look at ourselves and see how we live our lives, what our expectations are, what our own little sticky points are uh, before we kind of bring somebody else into it or if we already have somebody else in it, right? To be able to pause, stop and work on ourselves so we can change directions and do something different. You know, 
sometimes in order for your marriage to become successful, if it's not in your relationship to become successful, if it's not, sometimes you have to get off one road and detour and get on another road with that person. You can still be with that person, but sometimes you gotta, you gotta change streets. You gotta jump railroad tracks and things like that. And couples therapy will help you figure that out. So again, guys, thank you for listening. I want to mention it to you again. Uh, if you've been listening in the app, you can go to support the podcast and uh, donate today. You can also go to www.patreon.com backslash the barbershop group. If you are um, interested in becoming a sponsor and or if you um, have product that you would like to get on the show, have advertised on our social media, we have packages out there for you to do so. We also have some cool re rewards uh, if you sign up for that. So uh, we hope that you all will be well. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you soon.